Uh, well, a week ago, I was um, in bed, unwell, um, and uh, it gave me a t- chance to watch uh, all sorts of uh, movies that uh, uh, are out at the moment on Netflix and Amazon Prime and things like that, and one of them was this one. Um, I promise, no spoilers, um, but it's a film um, called The Bank of Dave, and I thought, really... Uh, a film about a man starting a bank. Can that be interesting in any way? Um, and, and it was, actually. I highly recommend it. Um, that This man called Dave uh, is a man from Burnley, and he decides he wants to set up this local bank. Um, but there's lots of challenges if you want to set up a bank uh, in this country. Um, and he's up against the FSA, who apparently haven't approved a new bank for 150 years and um, uh, they have power um, and they play a bit dirty and trying to stop him Um, and that's what the film is about. It's a bit of an unfair contest really, Dave up against this uh, big financial organisation, Dave trying to set up this little local bank and this big... um, Uh, London people trying to stop him. Um, uh, And in this passage uh, that we come to, we we have another contest. Um, Who is the real God? Uh, And it it seems to me a very unfair contest. Uh, It's the true living God against uh, Baal. And yet, as we read through um, 1 Kings 18, it kind of feels like the odds are stacked against Elijah, um, kind of 450 to 1. Um, uh, And yet, Elijah is out to show the people of Israel uh, who have turned away from the true and living God, Yahweh, Uh, to a false god, he's out to show who is really God, uh, who uh, can really hear and answer their prayers. Who will hear people pray? Who will answer by fire? That's what this passage shows us. And it's a very helpful passage for us to be in. Uh, We've come to the end of our week of prayer as a church Uh, We've been spending more time together praying than we would uh, usually. But who is the God that we've been praying to? Does he really hear and answer our prayers? And crucially, should we keep praying to him? Should we keep meeting to pray? We have opportunities to every Wednesday evening and every Sunday uh, morning. Should we continue to do that? Well, hopefully these questions and maybe more um, uh, will be answered this morning as we look at this passage, uh, and hopefully we'll see how great and mighty uh, our God is. We've been singing about His greatness this morning, uh, and uh, we'll see more of that in this passage, um, the God, great God that we get to pray to. So what's the situation um, in 1 Kings 18? Uh, Will we come and join Elijah at a time for God's people when um, the, the kingdom has been split into two. You've got Israel, uh, ten tribes of Israel in the north, and then two tribes, Judah in the south, and Elijah's in the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, and it's under the rule of King Ahab, uh, a wicked king, 
who has married this um, foreign lady called Jezebel, um, who has come and introduced the worship of all sorts of foreign gods, including this god, Baal. And uh, Baal, um, apparently he's the god of lightning and fire. Um, He's a god who provides rain. Um, uh, He's a god who brings life, a god of fertility. And yet it seems like Baal hasn't been doing his job over these last three and a half years because there's been a drought uh, in Israel. Uh, But Elijah knew all about it, and um, uh, the living God knew all about it too. Um, It was sent by God as a judgment upon them for turning away from him and turning to worship uh, this false god, uh, Baal. But during these three years, um, God has really been looking after Elijah. Uh, Elijah has experienced God's faithfulness. Uh, Yahweh, God, um, stopped the rain. Uh, He's provided for Elijah and for the widow of Zarephath all that they need to live and uh, to eat. Um, He's brought life to the widow's uh, son who died, and uh, Elijah prayed to the Lord that, that um, he would work, and um, God indeed did work and brought life uh, to the widow's son. God has still been working, uh, even as it seems to the people, like Baal has not been working, and they've went, been through this hard years of drought. Uh, The people of Israel, their hearts have turned away from the Lord. And so Elijah comes in and he says this to them in verse 21. He went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Elijah poses this question to them, who who is God? Whoever it is, follow him. They have divided loyalties. He's talking about them wavering. Uh, But a better word apparently would be limping. Uh, They're limping. And some of uh, our translations may even say that. They're limping around, not following uh, one God or the other. As I was preparing uh, to preach this, I I saw down London Road um, a a limping pigeon, um, which was a very good visual uh, way for me to see this um, in action. A a pigeon who was limping around with these other pigeons. He couldn't really join in properly with his pigeon friends. He couldn't really get down and eat. Um, because limping means you're, you're not really living at all. You're not really able to live properly. You're struggling. It's a struggle. And this word limp uh, should come again in verse 26. It doesn't uh, in uh, the versions of the Bible we have, um, but it would be a better translation. It talks about the prophets of Baal dancing around the altar. Um, apparently that word would, should be limping as well. Um, it's showing that worship of anyone other than the true uh, and living God is like limping. It's not really living life to the full at all. 
It's false worship. And trusting anyone, anything other than the true and living God, it's like limping. And this week, as we've been meeting to pray as a church, uh, as we've been expressing our trust in the living God, it might be that some of us are kind of limping. Maybe some of us aren't really trusting in the Lord as God as we should be. We're putting our trust elsewhere. Maybe you haven't met to pray because actually you don't think it's going to make much difference praying to God. And maybe really you're limping. You're not living life properly because you're not looking to the Lord and trusting Him as you should. So the question to ask ourselves is, as Elijah asks these people, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. Pray to him, live for him. But if Baal is God, if something else is God, follow him, follow that. So Elijah sets up this contest. Uh, Verse 24, this is the... The result of the con- should be the result. Uh, the God who answers by fire, he is God. That, that's the challenge. Which God is going to hear? Which God is going to answer by fire? That's what Elijah sets up here. Uh, but it seems unfair to me. It seems like the, the odds are really stacked against Elijah. Uh, because um, the, these people, these prophets of Baal, they're on home turf. They're on Mount Carmel. This was the place where they would uh, be uh, worshipping uh, Baal. It's a bit like when Brighton, uh, who will be playing uh, football just this afternoon against Liverpool, playing on home turf, familiar territory, familiar grass, in front of their own fans who are cheering them on. They have home advantage. So does So do Baal and his worshippers here in this passage. Not only that, but they are outnumbered. Uh, Verse 22, Elijah says, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. 450 to 1. Elijah's outnumbered. Uh, Not only that, but Elijah gives them first pick of the bull to put on the uh, altar. It's very generous. Uh, And not only that, but later on we read of Elijah pouring water all over, all over the altar. Um, I I don't know much about starting fires, but um, I believe water is how you get rid of fires, not how you start fires. Uh, The odds seem stacked against Elijah. So what happens? Well, uh, verse 26 we, we see... Um, that Baal and his worshippers start calling out to uh, Baal. Then they called out to the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered, and they danced around the altar they had made. They began calling out to their gods, but nobody answered. Nobody seems to respond. There seems to be no sign of fire, not even a little spark somewhere. 
So Elijah taunts them a bit. Um, Verse 27, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely, surely he is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. It's like uh, you, you calling someone up on your phone and they're just not answering. You call them again and no answer. So you text them and still no answer. Maybe they're asleep. Maybe they've gone away. Maybe they're on the toilet. Maybe they're busy. They're not, there is no answer. And there is no answer for these prophets of Baal from Baal. There is no sign of fire. But they don't give up. They carry on. Verse 28, so they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time came for evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. They work themselves up into a frenzy. They even start cutting themselves. And blood flows. It's, it's a sad and sobering thing to read. Such desperate lengths and yet nobody answers. No one hears their cries. No one pays attention. Their cries, their prayers go up to a God who cannot listen and who cannot do anything. They're limping. This isn't living. They're suffering. Blood is flowing. It's desperate. Many in our world long to be heard. Many in our world are desperate for hope and help and for answers, and yet their cries seem to go unheard. Nobody seems to answer. Nobody seems to care. And maybe there might be even some here this morning who feel that. But what about Elijah's God? What about the God that we've been singing praises to this morning? Does he answer? Is he any different? Let's have a look at what happens. Verse 30. um, Elijah Um, said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Uh, He took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. He begins to rebuild this altar. Uh, He takes 12 stones. He's doing this in front of Israel and he's reminding them uh, that they are God's people. Uh, the 12 tribes of Israel together. Uh, and he, he builds this altar, and um, as we uh, go on, we uh, read of how um, he pours water on it. I mentioned it earlier, verse 33. He arranged the wood, he cut the bull into pieces, he laid it on the wood, the sacrifice. And then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said. And they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it a third time. The water ran round the altar and even filled the trench. 
not even Bear grills with all his survival skills could start a fire out of this. No chance. It was soaked. But then Elijah calls on the Lord, verse uh, 36. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, the covenant-keeping, promise-keeping gods, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Elijah comes to the Lord with great confidence and says, answer me, Lord. He doesn't work himself up into a frenzy like these people. He just calmly, through uh, this sacrifice that he offers up to the Lord, uh, says, answer me, Lord, Uh, And then, verse 38, the fire fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. The fire falls. The whole thing, despite it being drenched with water, has been set on fire, and there's nothing left. God has shown himself to be God, not Baal. God listens. He hears the cry of his people, of his prophet Elijah, and he answers. And the people, verse 39, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Our God is the living God who answers by fire. And this is the God we have been praying to this week. And we can be assured that over these last few days, these nine prayer meetings we've had this week, that he has heard and he is answering our prayers. But we want to continue to pray. And we need to continue to learn to pray. And so just in our final few moments uh, looking at this passage, let's learn from what we can uh, learn to pray a bit more um, from Elijah. What can we learn from him? Four things. Firstly, uh, come through sacrifice. Elijah comes through a sacrifice. We heard uh, at the beginning how uh, Israel were limping between following Baal and following God. The prophets of Baal were limping as they were around that altar. God was not pleased. And Elijah, as he comes to God, he knows that he is like them. He is a human being, a human being who sins. Israel, his people, have wandered away from him. But the way to come back is through a sacrifice. And we see that in the Old Testament. We see uh, Old Testament sacrifices for sin, uh, an animal in the place of a human, so that we don't have to die, but something has to die in our place to approach the most holy God. 
And in other parts of Scripture, we see fire coming down. We saw that um, at the beginning of our service as we read those words, um, as the temple had been built and sacrifices again had been offered to God. And God is seen to be God in that. His glory revealed. But, but the point is, it's through a sacrifice that sinful people can worship a holy God. And we as Christians this morning, we haven't had to sacrifice a bull uh, to be able to meet here and worship. Because we look to another sacrifice. We look to the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Who died as a sacrifice in our place for our sins. And so, as uh, the writer to the book of uh, Hebrews encourages, we can draw near with confidence to the most holy place, to the Lord God. We do that not because of ourselves, but because of the Lord Jesus who died in our place. So, as we pray, as we continue to pray this year, let's remember we come through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Secondly, we come utterly dependent on God. Uh, We've talked about it a bit already, but Elijah covers that altar with a lot of water. Not just a bit, but a lot. Four large jars of water. It's a lot of water. Uh, But hang on, you might just be thinking, isn't that a bit irresponsible of Elijah? This was a time of drought. Isn't that against the uh, ancient hosepipe ban? Um, Well, apparently the Mediterranean Sea wasn't far away. And apparently on Mount Carmel, there were springs of water. Uh, So in some way, he must have arranged it. We we trust responsibly to drench this altar in in, in, water. in water. But surely he scuppered his chances of fire coming down at all. And yet, as we saw, God is powerful and God heard and answered his prayer and did answer by fire. But as he does that, Elijah is showing, yes, Elijah built the altar, but it's God who alone can answer by fire. It's God alone who hears and answers our prayer. It's not about what Elijah did to get that thing on fire. It's all about God. He's utterly dependent on God to answer his prayer. And it's complete opposite to what Baal and his worshippers did. They danced around. They even cut themselves. They frantically prophesied frantically trying to get Baal to answer. And maybe at times we're more like those prophets of Baal than we are like Elijah. Maybe at times we think we have to do something more and then God will answer our prayer. Just if I was a bit more obedient, just if I I said uh, words better to my friend who's not a Christian, then maybe God will work. But we come completely dependent upon him. Yes, we do do our bit. We do build an altar we, we, like Elijah. We, we, we do go and we tell people about the Lord Jesus. 
but only he can change hearts. It's not really us. We do our bit, but we trust God that he will work in people's hearts. On Wednesday, we were praying about future accommodation for um, a potential future elder, uh, and that seems a huge task. Uh, and I think in, on the Wednesday morning, we were thinking, as we were chatting, we were just thinking about the impossibility, it seems, in Brighton. What a hard place. But we pray and we depend on him, the God who can provide even in the impossible situations. And so we must continue in prayer. We must continue to be utterly dependent on our God to answer as he can mightily. He can even answer by fire. So let's keep meeting and expressing our dependence on him as we have this week. Let's continue to do that. Thirdly, um, as as, uh, Elijah prays, he, he prays, Uh, And ask God to do this so that people will know that he is the Lord. Verse 37, answer me, Lord, answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God. As we pray, let's pray that God will be made, made known to be God in different situations that we pray about. That's what Elijah prayed remembering there's this limping going on uh, amongst the people. They're they're not really worshipping the Lord as their one true God, as they should. Uh, And we live amongst the people in this city who are not worshipping the Lord as we would love them to, who serve their own Baals, their own gods. The God of self seems to be the big one at the moment, I think. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. We pray that God would work, that God would answer our prayers so that he would be made known in our city. As Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he pointed out to them the the Pharisees who stand in the street corners and kind of say, look at me, look how great my prayers are. And yet that's not how our prayers should be. We should pray, praying that look how great God will, would be as he answers. Not how great we are, but how great God is. Seek his glory. We pray, hallowed be your name, so that God's name, not our own name, would be made known and honored. As we pray, uh, one of the things we've been encouraged to pray over the last few weeks is for a team of elders. Let's pray that and ask that God would supply that so that his name would be able to be made known more effectively in Brighton. So that people would come and know God for themselves. So that people would say, if you go to Calvary Church, you will meet with the living God. And final, final lesson that we can learn from Elijah here. Answer so that you will turn hearts back to you. That's what Elijah prays for here. Uh, Verse 37 again, Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you are Lord, that, that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. 
He prays that hearts would be turned to the Lord. Back to their God. Stop limping and wavering between other gods. That's his concern. Don't be like that limping pigeon that I saw. That's his concern. And is that our concern in prayer? As we pray to God, as we pray about different situations, pray that God would turn people's hearts back to him. And you know, uh, as we saw, uh, the Lord did answer by fire. And verse 39, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Not Baal. Not the God of self, not God of money, of work, of family. No, it's God. He is God. The Lord, he is God. And it's him that we want people's hearts to be turned towards. There's a wonderful verse that we'll look at this evening in in James chapter 5. Where it says that Elijah was just a human being like us. And yet God worked in him and answered his prayers. And he graciously turned these people's hearts back to him as they cried, the Lord, he is God. They saw that the Lord is God. He graciously uses us, human beings, our prayers in his work to turn hearts back to him. But there's an urgency to this, because we read verse 40 as well. Then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal, don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. It's a verse which may make us feel uncomfortable, which may make us sigh, maybe makes us feel a little bit angry as we read of God's judgment on the prophets of Baal whose hearts hadn't turned back to him. But as we read that, we remember too that God has been gracious to these people, that he has shown himself to be God. But even then, these prophets didn't turn back to him. He's warned them of his judgment Uh, over three and a half years of drought. He could have destroyed them back at the beginning, three and a half years before. He could have not shown them uh, his great answer to Elijah's prayer. And yet he did. The people of Israel, they fall on their faces and say he is God, but those prophets of Baal are slaughtered and they die. And we live in a world that does not worship the Lord. Many don't. Many are heading towards death and judgment. And unless the Lord changes hearts, that's where they will go. And so it gives an urgency to our prayers. An urgency to us praying, Lord, make yourself known and turn hearts to you. And maybe some of us have been praying for years for family members, for friends to turn to him. Let's keep praying urgently for them. For God to work. 
because he can. He can hear and answer prayer and he can answer even by fire. So as we have prayed this week, let's continue to pray earnestly to the Lord throughout this year that people in our city will see that he is God's, that hearts might be turned to him. We have seen uh, four lessons of prayer as we've looked to this passage. We've seen we come through sacrifice. We come through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus to the most holy God. What a privilege. We come utterly dependent on God, utterly dependent on him to work. We pray, answer our prayers so that people will know that you are God. Answer our prayers so that our hearts will turn back to you. Let's pray now and then we'll sing.